Well, good morning. I'm Pastor Allen. Glad to see everyone. Hope you had a good week. It's been a kind of a tough week for us. Uh, wife and I are been separated this week. No, it's temporary. Uh, taking care of our clients at our uh, assisted living. Uh, we're excited. Uh, we're starting a five-week series called For Our City. Several churches in Hagerstown have done this for a couple of years, and we're joining with them to uh, try and be more connected, more involved, uh, have a greater impact for for Christ in our community. It's easy for a church uh, to uh, be in a community without being attached to the community. Questions sometimes people can ask is, will the community notice if your church ceases to exist? And we hope that we are a church that that community would miss if we were not here. So we're going to talk about that for four weeks, five weeks. Today's topic is be the change. Now, when I say Hagerstown, Smithsburg, Waynesboro, wherever you live. I live in Boonesboro. When you think about a city, what's the first thing that usually comes to mind? It's problems, right? All the issues, the drug issues, the crime issues, the uh, broken families, uh, hunger, uh, street people, whatever it might be. We think about the problems. The question is, do we try and do anything about the problems? It's easy to try and bury our head in the sand and just say, well, you know, it doesn't involve me, which really it does involve us. Um, I think probably the biggest problem is the needs are so big, they're so great. What can I do about the drug problem? I'm just one person. The government's been throwing money at all these problems for years and partial success. So we're going to start with a question this morning. How does God change the city? How does God change the city? Now, when we say city, we use names, but what makes a place a city is there's a bunch of people that live there, right? And so, the city is the people. And, of course, the people all have problems. We all have messed up lives. We have broken lives. We have issues. And so, when we talk about changing a city, we're talking about changing people or people in the city. So, do we notice do we care? Do we, are we part of the solution rather than the problem? So we're going to look at a story, a New Testament story, Jesus' encounter with, a, uh, we call the story a woman at the well, and see how even one person can impact the city. So it's in John chapter 4. Jesus has just started his ministry. He's down in Jerusalem area. He's becoming popular. People are getting baptized. Uh, uh, getting followers, and he's getting pushed back from the uh, religious community. So he goes back home. And uh, back home's up north, up in Galilee. Some of you know we were there a couple of months ago. Pretty cool to be able to visualize uh, where these stories take place. <clears throat> so we're going to pick the story up in verse 3 because there's something Jesus said that's pretty amazing. So he left Judea, the area around Jerusalem, and returned to Galilee, the place up north. Notice this phrase, he had to go through Samaria <laughs> on his way. Eventually he came to the Samaritan village of Sychar near the field that Jacob gave to his son. So this is a place a lot of Old Testament stuff took place, uh, events took place. Now that had to go through Samaria is almost a, a uh, contradiction because as a Jew in Jesus' day, you had to not go through Samaria. And we'll give you a map here. Um, 
Jesus was down here. He's going to go up north, Nazareth, where he's from, Galilee. Uh, the Jews considered Samaritans no better than dogs. They were mixed breed. They weren't pure Jew. They were mixed with other cultures and religions and, and bloodlines and so forth. So they felt they could be contaminated by interaction with Samaritans. So the average Jew, if he wanted to go from Jerusalem to Nazareth, would cross the Jordan River, travel north, and then cross back over the Jordan River to Nazareth so they wouldn't have contact with Samaritans. But yet Jesus said, I must go through Samaria. Why? I don't know about you, but do you, I believe in divine appointments. And Jesus had a divine appointment. He had an appointment. This lady didn't know it, but he had an appointment with this lady, uh, this woman at the well. We don't know her name. So the story goes on. <clears throat> Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired from the long walk, sat wearily beside the well about noontime. Now, sometimes we think of Jesus just kind of being this superhuman being that would never run out of energy, never get tired, and so forth. No, Jesus had a body just like your body and my body, and I get tired, so Jesus got tired. Jesus got thirsty, just like we get thirsty. He got hungry, just like we get hungry. He got uh, needed to sleep, just like we need to sleep. Really, really important. So he's tired. It's about noontime, uh, which is kind of interesting because uh, that area is basically a desert, and so... Do you, where do you want to be at noontime in a desert? <laughs> in shelter someplace, right? You, you don't want to be walking around. Uh, uh, we don't know what season of year it is, of course. So, the story goes on. Soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water. Now, why would she be there? Most folks would draw water in the morning or evening or both. She was there at noontime. We'll find out a little bit about this woman as we go through the story. He says to her, please give me a drink. There's a well. Jesus is thirsty. Please give me a drink. He was alone now because his disciples had gone into the village to buy some food. So the well's outside of, of, of the town. Disciples are there. Jesus is there. Uh, again, divine appointment. She didn't know Jesus was going to be there, but Jesus knew she was going to be there. Now, again, Jesus is already... Uh, just dismissed all the quote, quote, unquote barriers to relating to another person. He's already dismissed the fact she's a woman. He shouldn't have been alone with a woman in public, especially as a rabbi. He certainly wouldn't want to be with a Samaritan, and he certainly wouldn't want to be a woman of her reputation. So he's ignoring all the, we're going to call them artificial barriers, because these things are man-made barriers. <clears throat> The woman, also knowing the Samaritan Jew uh, issue, barrier, the scripture says she was surprised, amazed, confused. Why would this man even talk to me? And especially if he's a Jew. For Jews refuse to do, have anything to do with Samaritans. There it is. So she says to Jesus, you're a Jew, I'm a Samaritan, we don't mix. <laughs> and I'm a woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? Why are you even associated? Why are you even near me? But why are you asking me for a drink? And so Jesus uses this an opportunity to talk about something more significant than a drink of water. Jesus re replied, if you only knew the gifts. Now, when somebody says I have a gift for you, what do you do? Ah, we all love gifts, right? I wonder what this gift is. 
this gift God has for you and who, are, who you are speaking to. <laughs> She's going to find out. You would ask me and I would give you not just water. I'm going to give you living water. I'm not going to give something that takes care of your physical thirst. I'm going to give you something that takes care of your soul thirst, your spiritual thirst. And it's not going to be temporary. Now, we all have a, a, a need to connect with God. We all have a, 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 an emptiness in us. All, we all have a thirst. We all have a hunger for something more. We, to be connected with God if we're not. And so, I'm going to skip, skip a few things. Her natural response is, well, you don't have a bucket. How can you get me water? Again, she's thinking physical water from the well. And so, Jesus replies, keeps, stays on track. Anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again. We all experience that, right? I carry water around with me all the time because I get thirsty. And I don't like being thirsty, so I drink. We all know about dehydration, how dangerous it is. So you'll soon become thirsty again. But those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. Wow, what a uh, campaign slogan for a product. Buy one, you know, one of my sodas or whatever you want to call it, sports drinks or whatever, and you'll never be thirsty again. We'd all buy that product, wouldn't we? Of course, they wouldn't have many customers. After everybody had one, they'd be out of customers. So obviously, her interest is peaked. Never thirsty again. That'd be amazing. He says, this water becomes a fresh, bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. So now he's cluing her into what he's talking about. He's not talking about physical thirst. He's not talking about physical life. He's talking about our, our spirits, our souls, our, and our eternity. And we can be spiritually satisfied for eternity by coming to Jesus, having our sins forgiven, and enter that relationship and uh, be satisfied. This is all mankind have this need. So her natural response would be just like yours and mine would be, wow, never thirst again? I'll take it. <laughs> Next verse. Please, sir. Give me this water. Now, what is he thinking? I'll never thirst again. I won't have to come get water. The hot part of the day, noon part of the day, I won't have to come out here to the well and get water day after day, week after week, year after year. I just have to do it once. That would be amazing. My life would be so much better. It would be so much easier. Now, let me ask a simple question. If you're not a Jesus follower, we're delighted that you're here and we're going to tell you how to become one. And we think it's great being a Jesus follower, but does being a Jesus follower make your life easier? No. <laughs> and the church, some wings of the church have kind of uh, mistaught on, that, on this subject. And we just found out about a man in Pakistan that was beaten to death for his faith. It certainly didn't make life easier for him, did it? It doesn't make life easier for you and I in external circumstances, but it makes life way easier internally because we're at peace with God. And once you're at peace with God, you can peace with other people. You're not at war with other people. Your soul is at peace. And then you are empowered to deal with all that garbage that we come across in life, right? We are equipped to deal with those issues. And then Jesus does an interesting thing. 
And uh, I skipped these verses on your outline. You can read them later. He says, go get your husband. <laughs> and the lady's honest with him. And she said, uh, well, um, I don't have a husband. Which is true. In a legal sense. And she says, he said, Jesus says to her, you're right. You've had five. <laughs> and the guy you're living with now isn't your husband. So she could get a guy. I guess she couldn't keep a guy. But it, to survive as a woman in that culture, you almost had to be connected with a man. Otherwise, you'd most, most likely starve to death. So he doesn't condemn her. He just shares with the fact that he knows her situation. And it doesn't put him off. Now, as the woman hears this, her natural response is to be what? Embarrassed, right? Embarrassed. Embarrassed about her situation, even more embarrassed, this guy knows her situation. So she changes the subject. Isn't that what we do when we're embarrassed? Change the subject. Well, let's not talk about my husband. Let's talk about, hey, you, you, you Jews worship in Jerusalem. The Samaritans worship up here. Uh, what's the right place to worship? Now, of course they had to worship up there. They weren't allowed in the temple. And so they established another worship place. <clears throat> and so she diverted. And Jesus, in his, in his care of her, honestly discussed this topic with her. Uh, giving her time to ask questions and, and find out more about him and, and about spiritual things. And when you and I discuss spiritual things with people that aren't spiritually connected, it takes time, doesn't it? It takes conversations. It takes answering questions, if we know the answers. <laughs> and so <clears throat> his response is this. The time's coming, and indeed is here now, when true worshipers... We'll worship the Father in spirit and in truth. So it's not about location. <laughs> it's about, about attitude. The Father's looking for those who worship him in that way. Uh, God's not so concerned if you're in Jerusalem or in Samaria. He's more concerned about your heart. Is it true heart worship? And the reason is, and he tells in the next verse, for God is spirit. So, you want to connect with a God who is connect with a God who is spirit, you have to do it spiritually. So those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. And so now she's connected on a spiritual conversation. And she says, the woman says, I know the Messiah is coming. So she had enough Jewish religious education to know about the Messiah. I know the Messiah is coming, the one who's called the Christ. When he comes... He will explain everything to us. And then Jesus told her, which is really amazing because often Jesus didn't reveal himself to people. But he does to this woman. He said, I'm the Messiah. I'm him. <laughs> You're talking to him. How amazing is that? So, let's interrupt the story a little bit for a couple minutes here. If we're going to be, impact our city, if we're going to impact our communities, if we're going to impact this world, we have to be the change you're looking for. And maybe you've heard this said, those of you who are single, looking for that perfect uh, uh, mate, perfect uh, soulmate, whatever. The best way to find the perfect soulmate is to be the perfect soulmate. You be the person that somebody's looking for. So if we want 
change to happen in our culture? Where does it start? It starts right here. It starts with you. It starts with me. We all got messed up lives. We all need, quote unquote, fixing, don't we? And obviously, the base issue is our sin, the separation from God. And Jesus, as he dealt with this woman, didn't say, hey, get your, life, get your act together, did he? Then now there's something more important. This is spiritual thirst you need to take care of. So we need to fix ourselves before we can fix others. So Jesus didn't add to her burden. Jesus didn't add to her guilt. He gave her the answer. He gave her the solution. And it's interesting that she didn't go pursuing Jesus. Jesus pursued her, didn't he? He went out of his way for this woman. So you and I are her. And God has pursued us, pursued me. That's why I'm a Jesus follower today, because God pursued me. I talked about that last week. And if you're a Jesus follower here, you can tell your story. So if we're going to change our community, to be the change, we've got to be changed. We've got to be changed by the power of God. Our lives, that thirst has to be satisfied. So we can be at peace in our souls now. To share peace with others. Because only when we're satisfied can we help other people be satisfied. We need to be healed to help others be healed. And this comes, as we're going to see in this latest story, it comes from the overflow. (laughs) The Spirit of God satisfies our soul. He more than satisfies it. He fills it. Next slide. He fills it forgives us in fact he overfills us and now that overflow can be what can help heal our communities and our city Tim Keller pretty famous preacher in in New York City said this we are far worse than we realize you ask most people you you good person most people say what yeah I'm a good person I'm a good guy no you're not I'm not We're far worse than we realize. But that's okay. Why? Because we're far more more loved than we can ever imagine. God loves us in our sinfulness and our brokenness. In fact, that's why he came, to bring us healing. So, back to our story. Just then, disciples come back. (laughs) Interesting scenario here. Uh, again, the disciples, this is beginning of Jesus' ministries. They don't really <laughs> understand Jesus very well. They, they had trouble understanding Jesus' whole ministry, but especially at the beginning. Just then, his disciples came back. They were shocked. We can't imagine the shock to find him talking to a woman. But none of them had the nerve to ask. <laughs> They're not sure about this Jesus character. Say, so, uh, what, <laughs> what do you want with her? Or... Why in the world are you even talking to her? You're, she's, well, let's go expect, giving you cooties. You know, she's contaminating you. <laughs> Why would you even associate with her? But the, Jesus and this lady's conversation evidently was over. So the woman left the water jar beside the well. Next verse. 
Don't know why she left it there, just because of excitement or because she just knew she had to come back and get water later, whatever the reason. She left it there and went back to the village telling everyone she was overflowing with this news, right? Come and see the man who told me everything I ever did. Could he possibly be the Messiah? The one we've been waiting for a thousand years to come. Now the fascinating thing in this story is guess what happens? <laughs> the people came running. People came streaming from the village to see him. Now this is amazing to me because this lady was probably <laughs> pretty dismissed by the community. She wasn't in the, in, in the high society, obviously, or definitely in the community. But she had such a joy, an overflowing sense about her. She didn't say, come and you got to believe this is the Messiah. She said, just come and see. Just come and see. So I put on your outline, the woman's changed life, changed lives. They saw this woman was changed. They saw this woman was different. They saw this woman had something that they wanted, peace or joy, whatever it might be. Again, she didn't demand that they believe anything uh, or even take her word for it. Just said, just come and see. So she shared her change. Reminds me of another story. Jesus heals this blind guy, and and the religious leaders kept saying, okay, who is this Jesus? Do you believe he's the Messiah, or is he a false prophet? Who is he? And the guy says, wait, 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 wait. I don't know. All I know was I was blind, and I can see. I was changed. Physically, he was changed. This lady was spiritually changed. Now, some of us are afraid to share this change with other people because, oh, they're going to ask me questions. I can't answer questions. I don't always know. I'm a pastor. I don't always know the answer. I sometimes tell people I don't know. I was blind, but now I see. I was lost, but now I'm found. My life was a mess, but now it's somewhat together. None of us have it all together, right? So, the text goes on. Many, these Samaritans from this village, believed in Jesus. Now notice this. Because the woman had said he told me everything I did. There was a, a degree of faith just out of her overflow in this Jesus. I don't think that's enough. And as the story goes on, we're going to find out that more happens. So the next verse, when they came to see him, they begged him to stay in their village. Wow, if this is possibly the Messiah, we want to hang out with him for a while, right? So he did. He stayed there for two days. Again, I can't imagine the disciples. We're spending two days in Samaria. <laughs> Long enough for many more to hear his message and believe. Now sometimes we as Jesus followers think, well, people are just going to learn it by osmosis. You know? I'm just a good guy, I'm a Christian person, and they see me leave my house for a couple hours on Sunday morning, so they know what I'm doing, and that's enough. No, 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 no. To believe, you need to what? Hear, and to hear, somebody's got to tell you. Paul makes that argument in Romans chapter 10, I believe it is. 
So we need to be a voice. Then they said to the woman, after hearing Jesus, now we believe not just because of what you told us. That piqued our interest. That's got us on the right path or tracked. But because we heard him ourselves. So now, now we know that he is indeed the savior of the world. So when our lives are changed, we can offer life change to others. Until it's changed, we have nothing to offer, right? So as a Jesus follower, my life has been changed. It's like the woman at the well. So I have something to offer. Don't know all the answers. My life was like this. All I can tell you is my life has been changed. It works for me. I believe it will work for you. So Jesus, the amazing thing in this story is Jesus crossed so many barriers. I call them artificial barriers because they're not real barriers. Obviously, Jesus proved they weren't real barriers. (laughs) I wouldn't catch cooties from being with the Samaritans. (laughs) You know, my life wasn't destroyed because I talked to this woman. He's artificial. We all have such artificial barriers. I live in Boonesboro, Smithsburg, kind of a similar town. And some of you live in one of these towns. You realize this. It's just these artificial barriers between the old timers and the people that moved in, right? If you go to one of the, the council meetings, you, you, it, it, comes, it comes out, obviously. It's a barrier. Of course, we have cultural barriers. We have language barriers. We have uh, sex barriers. We have uh, financial barriers. We have educational barriers. We have all kinds of artificial barriers. Jesus said, no, no, there's no barriers. I love everyone. I die for everyone. You and I need to share God's love with everyone. So we're going to get a couple assignments for this three, five weeks. First, we're going to give you a daily Bible reading, really short. They're connected to what we're talking about on Sunday. And if you're not in the habit of reading your Bible, we'd like to be in a habit. So here's a, a way you can get started in that habit. So the first two days, you just study, read the story we just read. And then for four days, you're going to study this little Old Testament book called Jonah. And some of you know that story. But the fascinating thing about that story was God wanted to change a city, a huge, big city, 120,000 people. And who did he use? One guy. And this one guy was willing or not willing? <laughs> and he wasn't even willing. <laughs> so you need to read that story. It's fascinating. Uh, one more statement. God did not save you to save you. What does that mean? All right. All right. So when I got saved, when I invited Jesus into my life, when I became a Jesus follower, I was promised my sins would be forgiven and eternity in God with heaven. Okay. So that was back when I was a teen. It was like 50 years ago. So why am I still here? Why didn't I just go straight to heaven? Right? That's my destination. So what has this 50 years been about? It's not just save you to save me. It didn't save me to save me. What did he save me for? To be his witness, his representative, his hands and feet. We use all kinds of different expressions. I am saved for you. See, we're all selfish by nature, aren't we? No, no, no. I, Jesus didn't save me 
just to save me. He saved me for you. I'm going to show you a short testimony about a lady, lady in Hagerstown. Fascinating. She reminds me of Jonah. <laughs> I don't know if you hate where you live, <laughs> but it doesn't matter, okay? It doesn't matter. Um, we're going to give you an assignment uh, for the next five weeks and a challenge, homework, whatever you want to call it. So for the next five weeks, commit to active art of neighboring. What do we mean by that? Caring about the being and being a good neighbor to the four closest homes to you, which is Interesting to me because we got a new neighbor. One of the houses next, near us. Most, we don't have houses near us, but the, the nearest house, you've been to my house, you know that. But the closest, one of the closest houses to us, the lady sold, and there's a new family there. We haven't met them yet, so I'm looking forward to that. <clears throat> and then the four people you're near at work or school. A, a big chunk of our life is spent at work or school, right? And so you have, we all work with other people. So who are four people? 
Now, don't wait for three weeks to start this. My goal is to do one of, you know, one of the, each of these categories each week, and, and in five weeks, I'll have, have done them all. Now, what do, we mean, what do we want you to do? We don't want you to go out there and preach to them necessarily, share Christ with them. If you have the opportunity, fantastic. But here's what we want you to do. Get to know them, serve them. Hey, what can I do to help? And be a friend to them. These are whom Jesus had called you to love. And Jesus will take it from there. And please don't push back on that. I know, I've sat where you've sat. As soon as the preacher gives me something to do, my first thing, I'm not going to do that. The preacher's not going to tell me what to do. <laughs> all right, so here's all I want you to do. Pray. So, okay, God, should I do this or not? Is Pastor Alan wacko, or should I actually try and do this? All right? And if God says, no, don't do it, don't do it. But I almost guarantee you, if God says to do it, he's going to tell you to do it. Okay? Is that good enough? Is that fair? All right. Let's pray and have a song and let you go. Father God, thank you. It's been a joy to be in your presence here this morning. Uh, we thank you for those who shared in the music with us. Uh, the message there and these words were powerful today. Well, always. And God, we thank you for the story of this woman as well. It's just, just so amazing how Jesus just blew away all the barriers. And we should have no barriers in our life. We should be able to uh, just befriend, connect with, with anybody, no matter what their education level, their skin color, uh, their economic uh, situation, whatever it might be. And God, uh, just let us befriend folks. Let us be the change. Let us share the change and let your spirit work. And God, as always, we want to ask anybody that's not a Jesus follower, today, today, step across that line. It's a gift. Most of us love gifts, accept the gift. Sin's forgiven, promise of eternity in life, purpose and meaning in life, this joy, this peace that will overflow from our lives to help others in their life. Father God, we thank you again for your son Jesus. In his name we pray, amen.